0: Good morning, everybody. Good Ah, a little windy out there today. Could I, could, could you, can you hear the wind kind of like blowing against the, uh, the windows here? I mean, I, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm listening to that, that sound, and I, I, I can't help but imagine that uh, passage in Acts chapter 2 where the 120 were sitting up in the upper room, and all of a sudden a sound like a mighty rushing wind filled the place where they were sitting. And I just I, I just imagine... You know, the Holy Spirit blowing in on us this morning and filling us with his power, filling us with his grace. And I'm just so happy that uh, you all are here this morning. A little bit of a clarification on the the children's program. Uh, There's that informational meeting right after church today. If you are interested in participating at all, if you're a child or have a child, if you're a teenager, if you're an adult and you're interested in participating, uh, stay after for that informational meeting. They're gonna talk about rehearsals, they're gonna talk about what's gonna be happening. Uh, so even if you want to be a child wrangler um, and kind of hang out with the kids while they're not doing whatever they're doing on stage, uh, stay and uh, find out a little, more, a little bit more about that. Um, how many of you have ever moved? <laughs> moved from like one house to another, moved, right? Almost all of us have moved at one point or another, even if it's moving out of mom and dad's and into our own place. Some of us are looking forward to moving out of mom and dad's and into our own place. But our family, we have moved uh, three times. So when Wendy and I got married, we moved in together into our first house down in Catonsville, Maryland. And she brought her stuff, and I brought my stuff, and we put all of our stuff into the house. And then, of course, our house wasn't full enough, So we went out and we bought more stuff, right? And we got all kinds of things. And then we had our firstborn son, Tom. And then we had to buy a lot more stuff. We had to buy all the baby stuff, the cribs and the formulas and the diapers and the toys and the things, all of this stuff. And we just kept accumulating all of this. And and by the time Tom was about two, Uh, we had decided that we wanted to move from Maryland to Pennsylvania. We heard that the schools were better here, and we wanted to kind of get get into a place where we could kind of get to know the neighborhood and everything, so we moved up to Red Lion, and we rented a 25-foot U-Haul. Now, if you've ever had to pack your own stuff, right? I I highly recommend a mover, by the way, if you can afford it. But we, we shoved all of our stuff into this U-Haul and several cars. So we had like four or five like family members, they're driving up, they've got some of our stuff in the car, we've got the stuff in the truck, and uh, we moved into this house. And so the house we moved into was bigger because we had a, a child now, and we needed the bigger space. But our stuff didn't fill the house. So what did we do? We went out and bought more stuff. And then Josh came along two years later, And of course, we had to go and buy more stuff. But we didn't just have the stuff that we needed, right? We didn't just take the clothes and the the shoes and the pots and the pans and the furniture and the beds and the bookshelves and all this stuff. We had a lot of other stuff. How many of you are collectors of knickknacks? Anybody have knickknacks? Anybody have a curio cabinet? Curio, okay, see, I I, I love it. Curio Cabinet, I love the name, but I just like to say it, Curio Cabinet. How many of you have, uh, like, your walls are covered with like plaques and pictures and Bible verses and crosses and all of that other stuff? And how many of you go on vacation? and you go and you get your souvenirs, right? How many of you have the little snow globes and the little things from the beach and the little things from the mountains and we got all this and we got all this stuff all over the place. So we moved a third time to where we live now and of course it actually took us two 25 foot <laughs> U-Haul trucks plus the cars. We actually had to rent a a, a rental unit, a little storage unit for a month, before we moved to take the first load of stuff, and then we brought the second load of stuff, and then we had to go to the rental unit, get the second load of stuff, and load it all. It was just stuff. Now, when my dad dad got sick, and he had to move into a residential uh, facility, he wasn't able to live on his own anymore. And my brothers and sisters and I uh, needed to clean out his house because we were going to rent it out, and that was going to help pay for this uh, residential facility. And the house needed a lot of work, and there was a lot of stuff in there that we wanted to get rid of, my dad's old tools and things like that that we ended up either giving away to family or selling. But we discovered a key, and the key opened a lock at a storage facility. <laughs> Has anybody ever watched Storage Wars <laughs> on the Discovery Channel? If you're not familiar with Storage Wars, it's these people, they, they like make their living by coming and, and buying at auction these storage units that have been abandoned. And they might pay 50 bucks, they might pay 500 bucks, but they, they get to keep whatever's in the storage unit. And in one episode, this couple bought one of the units for 50 bucks and they found a collection. I'm not not even kidding, I've seen pictures. A collection of unopened My Little Pony toys. And they were able to sell those for like 900 bucks. And in another auction, this auctioneer, he bought a unit for $750. I don't know if I'd ever do that. But he found these stacks and stacks of every newspaper in the United States on the day after Elvis Presley died. This whole big collection, that was estimated to be worth about $90,000. Now the biggest find though, it wasn't on the show, but it was involving one of the guys in the show. He he sold one of the units that he bought on the show. He sold it to this guy uh, for like 500 bucks. And the guy went in, and he found a safe. And he took the safe to a locksmith. And the locksmith opened the safe. And there was $7.5 million in cash in the, cape, in, in the safe. And of course, he didn't keep it all. The, the attorney for the family that originally owned it, they came and said, oh, you know, we'll offer you a reward, which was still like $1 million. They give him a million-dollar reward for return of the money. So obviously, there are a lot of abandoned uh, storage units with a lot of stuff inside. And some of that stuff is worth a lot, so we got this key to my dad's storage unit. And we were like, wow, we're gonna be rich. <laughs> <laughs> and we went, because we, uh, we, were, we were closing out the unit, right? And so, we took, uh, we took a U-Haul truck over there. We were like, yeah, we're gonna get all this stuff. And we opened the unit. And we did not find $7.5 million. (laughs) And we did not find a stack of newspapers worth $90,000. We didn't even find a My Little Pony like broken up in a box. We found bags and bags and bags and boxes of paper. And this wasn't like collectible paper. This was like old bills. It was like my parents never threw away anything that came in the mail. There were catalogs, and they were just, just in boxes. And they were paying like 150 bucks a month to, to store this stuff. And we had to get it all out. We emptied it all out into the truck and took it to the dump. We, there was nothing of worth inside that storage unit. And this morning, we're looking at the ninth Brethren in Christ core value. And that core value is called living simply. And what it says is we live uncluttered lives, which frees us to love boldly, give generously, and serve joyfully. Now, most of us, when we think of living simply, Simply, we, we think of the stuff, right? We think, oh, well, we've got these cluttered lives and we've got all this stuff. And Wendy and I have conversations all the time, and every once in a while she'll get on a, a tear where she's listing stuff on the Facebook for, you know, five bucks for this and ten bucks for that. But we think, of, we think of those things, and it's true, the Bible has a lot to say about those things. In Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 to 9, we read, two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. This is the the proverb writer talking to God. Remove far from me falsehood and lying and give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. And basically what the author is saying here is, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. Don't give me more than I need. Don't give me less than I need. Because I want to live a life that is pleasing to you. I want to acknowledge you in all things. I want to acknowledge that you provide my daily bread for me. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus had a conversation with a rich young man. This is one of the more known Conversations that Jesus has. Even people that don't go to church a lot have heard this story. And Jesus tells the man, if you would be perfect, go sell all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. And the young man left dejectedly. He was very sad because he was very rich. He had a lot of stuff and he didn't want to get rid of it. And basically what Jesus is saying here, and he tells his disciples, truly, I say to you, only with great difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus wants this rich young man to rely on God not to rely on his riches, not to be tied down, to be chained to these things. And he tells the man that following him means letting go, letting go of everything else and depending on God. And Jesus tells us the the dangers of having this devotion to stuff, this devotion to money and this devotion to riches. In Matthew chapter 13, he tells a story a parable about the sower and the seed. And if you've been in church for a while, you know the story of the sower and the seed. And it reads a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them, and other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. I want to focus on this third one here this morning. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And later, when Jesus is alone with his disciples, he interprets the parable for them. He tells them exactly what the parable means. And he says that the seeds in the parable are the words of the kingdom, or the word of God. And in verse 22 of chapter 13, he says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful." Now, the word choke here is uh, symphnigo. It's a really big mouthful of a word. And what it means is that it's often used as an agricultural term, and what it means is to check or stunt the growth of something by pressure. And that pressure might be uh, crowding In, around the plant, that pressure might be cutting off uh, the the light to the plant, right? So when the, the weeds grow up or the thorns grow up, they block out the things that the plant needs, and it ends up shriveling up, and sometimes it ends up dying. And the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, Jesus says, chokes the word of God. The things that we worry about, the possessions that we have. And let's face it, sometimes when we have great possessions, we worry about keeping (coughs) those possessions, and we lock them up, and we protect them. And Jesus says that these things spring up like weeds, like thorns, and crowd out the message of the kingdom of God until they cut off or steal the things that make the message grow. They don't allow the message of the kingdom to thrive in our lives. And Jesus saw the thorns of the deceitfulness of riches in the rich young man, and he told him what to do to rid his soil of these thorns. Go sell everything, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. But it's not just about stuff. It's not just about riches because Jesus says, it's also about the cares of this world. And a lot of times that has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with finances. Sometimes it has to do with other things. Sometimes it has to do with our outward appearances, the way that we come off to people. And Jesus acknowledged this too in a story in Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, uh, Jesus is going to visit uh, his friends, Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha were the sisters of Lazarus. And later uh, we read that Lazarus was raised by Jesus from the dead. But Mary and Martha lived in this town and they loved Jesus. And Lazarus loved Jesus. As far as we can tell, they were his most beloved friends outside the apostles, outside the people that traveled with him. And he would often go and visit their home. Well, this was one of the first times that Jesus visits with Mary and Martha. And while Jesus is there, he sits and he starts teaching. He starts talking about the kingdom of God. And Mary sits right there at his feet. And she's just looking up, kind of like the the children's story here on Sunday mornings, just looking up, And and listening to Jesus teach and hearing this word of the kingdom come in, and she's just basking in the glow of Jesus and his message. And Martha does not. Martha goes about the business of serving. And in fact, in uh, verse 40, it tells us that Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha could hear Jesus talking. She could hear the words that he was saying. But she wasn't really listening because she was worried about taking care of things, taking care of the the disciples and taking care of Jesus and making the food and cleaning the house and doing all of these things that she was supposed to do. In that culture, hospitality was was really high on the list of things. She wanted to look good for Jesus and his disciples. And Martha got upset. And she went to to Jesus. And she looked at him right in the face and she said to him in in the last part of uh, verse 40, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. That's what she says. Tell her to help me. Martha is so worried about getting things done. How many of you are getting ready for Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving's coming up like next week. And I can remember growing up and... We were usually up early as kids anyway because you know, we wanted to watch the parade and we wanted to watch all this stuff. And I remember my mom, she would get up at like 6 o'clock in the morning on Thanksgiving morning and she'd start preparing. Any, anybody do that? You get up and you prepare at 6 o'clock in the morning and you're getting the turkey ready and you're getting the stuffing ready and you're doing the sweet potato casserole and you're doing all this stuff. And where are the kids? We're watching the parade, man. There's Snoopy floating down you know, Fifth Avenue. This is so cool. But they do all of these things. And my, mom, my man, my mom, she'd make, she'd make homemade pie that day. I mean, she'd do all kinds of stuff. We actually have, have become a little smarter in our family. We prepare everything like a day or two ahead of time, and then we just reheat everything. But there's mom in the kitchen usually by herself, unless we have family over and then like one of her sisters is helping, doing everything. And we're watching the parade and we're watching football. And this is what Martha was doing. Everybody else in the house was off watching Jesus and listening to Jesus teach. And there's Martha doing everything. And she's doing this and she's doing that. And she's making sure that everything is taken care of. And in verses 41 to 42, Jesus responds not only to Martha's request, not only to her demand that Jesus tell Mary to get up and help, but he also responds to Martha and what she's doing. And in verses 41 and 42 of Luke chapter 10, we read, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, I love it when Jesus says the the name twice, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Jesus is saying, Martha, you're, you're allowing all of these things. I've been sitting here talking for an hour talking about the kingdom and talking about all of the good things of God. And I know you hear me, but you don't really hear me. You're not getting the most important thing that's going on in this house right now. That's what he's telling to Martha. I'm sharing the kingdom with everybody in this house, and you're off doing something else. And you think you're doing it for the right reasons. You think you're busying yourself and doing all of these things to take care of me. And I acknowledge that you're taking care of me. But that's not the important thing. I would rather you sit and talk with me for an hour than to be busying yourself and ignoring the things that we're talking about over. Jesus says that this is the most important thing. One thing is necessary and you're missing it. One thing is necessary and Martha is there letting the thorns of the cares of the world crowd out Jesus, crowd out his teaching, crowd out his word, crowd out her relationship with him. And Jesus calls on her says, Martha, stop. The things you're worrying about don't matter. I think most of us would agree that the 21st century has its its share of cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches. Would we agree? The average American has over $96,000 in debt. That's mortgage debt and student loans and credit cards, things like that, $96,000, the average American. And over 64 million Americans carry credit card debt. We are second in the world in household debt behind one country, Hong Kong. Nobody else has as much debt as we do. If you're in debt, if you owe money, Do you think you have worries? Do you think you have concerns? Do you think that you are letting the cares of the world kind of rule over you a little bit? Well, what if I lose my job? What if I get an injury? What if I do this? What if this happens? What if that happens? That's the care of the world. What if these things happen? And the anxiety that debt causes to a lot of people is immense. And because we have this debt, we're working more and more and more hours because we got to work more hours, make more money, pay off more debt so we can go and get more debt, buy more stuff. And we spend all of this time working off the debt that we owe. The more stuff we buy that we can't pay for, the more debt we incur, the more anxious we become. And Christians aren't immune to this. I know Christians aren't immune. Sure, our wall decorations and knickknacks might have Bible verses on them. But when's the last time you actually looked at that wall decoration that had that favorite Bible verse on it and just basked in the glow of the word of God? instead of zipping past it to make your coffee so that you can get out the door and go work to pay off your debt. I know I do that sometimes. We're not immune to debt either. We've got a mortgage. We've got some, a little bit of credit card debt. We clutter our homes with stuff. And we clutter our schedules with, with, with things How many of you have busy schedules? Any? Any busy schedules? Jesus is talking about this too. The cares of the world. We fill our schedules so cluttered sometimes that we can barely think about God, let alone read the Bible for 10 minutes a day, let alone pray. We fill our schedules. When God created the heavens and the earth, he put into place this natural rhythm of time. The evening and the morning were the first day. It says that six times in Genesis chapter 1. The evening and the morning were the first day. And God did this on this day. And then the evening and the morning. And then God did something else. And then at the very end, what does God do? He rests. He's worked for six days. Now it's time to sit back and rest. To stop working. We don't do that anymore. We, we have people working seven days a week. And that's not the only thing. Back when God created the heavens and the earth, there was evening, darkness, and there was morning, light. And when it was light, we worked. And when it was dark, we didn't work. We stopped our work for the day. Everybody did everything during those light hours. And then, Ben Franklin came along with his kite. <laughs> and Thomas Edison came along with his light bulb. And suddenly, day and night no longer had any meaning. I want to do work after the sun has gone down, after dark, click on that light bulb. I can work all night long, look just like it's daytime in here. Technology has thrown off the natural rhythm of time that God created. And it's thrown off the natural rhythms of life. When William Carrier invented the air conditioner in 1902, suddenly we weren't sitting on our front porches anymore to try to cool off in the cool of the day. Now we could go inside our house and we could close the door behind us because you don't want to let the air conditioning out, right, Mom? <laughs> and we could sit and bask in this great, glorious coolness of time and not have to deal with anybody. Not have to relate to anybody. Not have to get to know our neighbors. This is what technology is has done, and when the light bulbs and the air conditioners started getting installed into the factories and into the offices, all of a sudden, there was no excuse to not have work happening 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The average American now works 41 and a half hours a week, and 11% of them work over 50 hours a week. That's almost as much time as we're supposed to spend sleeping almost a third of our week in work. And humanity has done this for generations. We have worked very hard as a species to circumvent the natural rhythm of life. We have worked very hard as a species to take what God gave us this natural rhythm of rest and work and rest and work. And we have utterly destroyed it with technology. And we think, well, most inventions are are created to improve the quality of life on earth. And we have the air conditioner, now we don't have to be hot. And we have the refrigerator, now we can keep food longer, right? 19th century, they didn't have refrigeration. You had what you had, and if it spoiled, it spoiled. And you only kept what you could eat. Now, we have food that lasts for months. We don't have to worry about where our next meal is coming from if we've got enough money to go and buy food. We'll just keep it. Technology. Yeah, it made some things better. Made some things easier. The microwave oven. Most of you remember when the microwave oven was first put into your homes. How easy was that? Now you could just reheat stuff. You didn't have to get all the pots and pans out. It was supposed to be easy. But we have taken what is supposed to be easy. And all we've done is add more and more and more to our lives. Oh, I don't have to spend an hour cooking dinner. I can do it in 10 minutes. Well, that means I have 50 minutes to add something new. We don't take the 50 minutes and rest. We just keep shoving more things into our schedule. We keep shoving more stuff into our house. We take the artificial light that was invented by man. And we have turned away from the true light of Jesus Christ. And we see that happening more and more. And it's not just people who don't know Jesus that are blinded by this artificial light, the deceitful light of Thomas Edison. And I mean, no disrespect to Thomas Edison. But Christians are not immune to this phenomenon. How many Christians skip church on Sunday mornings to go and watch their children play sports? And I'm not saying that as a judgment, because believe me, if I was not the pastor and my son was playing a sport on Sunday, I'd probably be out too. But how many of us do that? How many of us feel forced to take a job where we have to work on Sunday in order to pay the debt that we have racked up for ourselves. How many Christians work so many hours during the week that they don't have time for God? They don't have time for family. They don't have time for anything except work and sleep. These are realities. How many Christians enter into questionable practices in order to make some more money so that they can feel more financially secure? We know it happens. We've seen it happen. None of these things equate to living simply. These things make life so complicated. And they turn us away from the true light of Jesus Christ. Money does not lead to spiritual life spending time doing a hundred different things during the week, unless they are prayer and service and Bible study and those things that help build the kingdom of God? How much time are we filling where we're not able to serve, where we're not able to do things to build the kingdom of God? In Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 to 34, Jesus teaches about the pursuit of stuff. Talks about being anxious about what you'll eat, about what you'll drink, about what you'll wear. Anxious about your body. And in the end, he gives us an instruction. And he also gives us a promise. The instruction is this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Stop worrying about where your food and your drink and your clothes are going to come from. Stop worrying and being anxious about those things. Focus on who you are in God and who God is in you. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And then he makes us a promise. He says in all these things the food and the drink and the clothing and the health and the well-being all these things will be added to you if we can just see past ourselves past our own abilities past our own sufficiency to see that we truly need God for all those things, that God truly provides all those things. It is not by my power. It is by the power of God that I'm able to work. It is by the power of God that I'm able to put food on the table, to put clothes on my family's backs. We gotta look past ourselves to see what we truly, truly need. And that is to seek first God's kingdom. And when we do that, all those things will be added to us. And it may not be a lot. God may sincerely only give us our daily bread, but He'll feed us. He'll clothe us. He'll take care of our well-being. Next week, we're going to close out the BIC core values. Uh, The the 10th core value is simply relying on God. And I think that that is a great message to take into this time that we're going to spend in thanksgiving, realizing that we should be giving thanks because everything we are and everything we have comes from the Father. And it is not by our power. It is not by our intelligence. It is not by anything that we are except for what God has made us. And I hope that you'll join us next week. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the wind outside. Father, I just personally just thank you for the reminder of the Holy Spirit coming like a mighty rushing wind. Father, I thank you that you allow us to gather together and rely on the Holy Spirit to learn from you, to serve you, to rely on you. Father, I ask as we walk out today that we will take a look at our own lives, see where the clutter is, see the things that are keeping us from serving you fully, and that we will make a decision to Rid ourselves of those things so that we might give generously and love extravagantly and serve joyfully for your kingdom. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Apostle Paul writes, I know what it is to have plenty, and I know what it is to have nothing. And he goes on to write, I can be joyous in any situation, plenty, nothing, because I rely on Jesus Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As you walk out this morning, let Christ strengthen you. Let go of your anxiety, let go of your desire to worry about money and things and situations, and just rely on God. God bless you this week.